Greetings and welcome to A Gentleman's Chat, episode 24. This is Billy from the future talking to you, and I'd just like to apologize for a second here because we had a uh, technical difficulty that happened at the very beginning of this show, and it left the audio kind of goofed up. Now, normally, Ian and I will reshoot the show, or we'll just scrap something that's bad because we don't want to give you guys a terrible chat. But we thought, as you'll probably see in the beginning of this, some of the things we talked about were so important to us, and we thought it was such a good show that we would go ahead, even though there's a minor audio glitch going on. We hope you guys still enjoy the show anyways, so sit back, relax, and enjoy episode 24 of A Gentleman's Chat. It's episode 24.4, and we're back, once again, to try to help those people we've hurt. And we've hurt them by unfortunately misplacing their problems in life. And as you know, it's our life goal to help everybody's problems everywhere and just fix everything in the world. That's true. That's a, that's a good small goal for us. Yeah. yeah, so here on episode 24 of A Gentleman's Chat, I personally have to come out and say I am very sorry to a Miss Jen who sent us in an email. Normally, we like to respond to emails immediately, like right away. This particular email, I'm sorry, got sent to our spam, of which I only clear out once every six months. <laughs> <laughs> so I was clearing out spam a couple days ago, and I came across your email, Miss Jen. I know it's been a couple months. I am deeply sorry. So to combat that, maybe help out a little, Yeah, we're going to talk about it and see if we can't help you right now on episode 24 of A Gentleman's Chat. So, Miss Jen, first of all, thank you very much for the compliment. She said, hey guys, I love your podcast. We do as well. <laughs> I have been listening for a while and think you guys are hilarious. I have a question. I will try to keep my explanation concise. I have realized that a general theme with my relationships has been that I have a hard time distinguishing between what emotions I have and the feeling I harbor for another person. I often find myself doubting if their feelings are, I have are real. So if I am saying that I love a person just because I know that they want to hear it. I am a genuinely caring person, so I have strong feelings for another, or for everyone I meet. But I don't know how to discriminate between friendly feelings, romantic feelings, or just lust. Not sure if this is a common issue. It very much is. In today's society, this is almost the most common issue I can think of. Yep. But since I don't really have anyone to ask, even if your advice isn't incredibly supportive or helpful, <laughs> it will at least be humorous. <laughs> I hope this reaches you well. Thank you. Well, it has reached us. That eventually. is true. I mean, we'll send a nice email back, too, I'm sure. But well, I think we can cover this one. Strangely enough, this is something we talked about a little bit, actually quite extensively, as I think back on it, last episode. Yeah, we, we've covered the back half of that uh, the delineation between love and lust. Quite right, right, right. So just, this is sort of hitting us cold. I mean, we, this is not thing, a thing that we've pre-discussed or anything. So let's, as I understand it, what she's saying is, is that she gets into a relationship and she has these feelings, but she doesn't know if they're actually like love feelings or anything because she loves everybody. She's you know, a friendly person, kind of outgoing, I'm assuming. And so she doesn't know where this line is, sort of thing. Is, is that kind of 
Yeah. I think that's kind of what she's saying. She doesn't know where to place those feelings. Yeah. And then because she doesn't know exactly where the feelings go for whom, she has a difficult time, from what we gather, figuring out what the feeling actually is. Right. Yeah, I think that is uh, a common problem, really, and one that we've discussed, like I said, last week quite a bit. But this idea that when people get into relationships, it's new. It's got this freshness to it. You know, it's you, you've met this person, you've got excitement going on, you've got these endorphins, you've certainly got lust going on, you're attracted to them. Everything they do is like the coolest, newest thing that you've ever seen, right? And then... As you move along in a relationship, this honeymoon period, if you will, kind of dies away. And you're left wondering, do I actually love this person? And I think that is the crux of what Jen is asking. That moment right there, how to handle that. Yeah, well, the first very, very easy solution is just have a constant rotation of like 50 people in a relationship. (laughs) And like four months at a time you spend with one and then it's brand new with the next one. And on a 50 rotation for four months, it'll take you a couple of years to get through them all. So it's new every time. Right. Yeah. That's unhealthy. I wouldn't actually recommend <laughs> that. Maybe I wouldn't do that. Yeah. But the real solution to this is actually going to be a little bit more of a tough love scenario. <laughs> it's determination. It's choice and... It's personal responsibility. I think you're completely right. And keying in on that that word again of choice. I mean, bold, underline the talks. Make that shit 72 size font. Because that's the thing. You're choosing to love someone. Those lustful feelings will go away. But you're choosing to love someone. So, I, I yeah, that is the critical, critical, critical part there. Exactly. For especially in new relationships, you're going to feel a whole bunch of endorphins because it's brand new, it's exciting, it feels like the best thing that's ever happened to you, your hormones are all over the place, (laughs) and that can only last for so long. So it doesn't matter the particular relationship, eventually what is the new and the exciting will become the normal, it will become the natural. And once that happens... It can be very enticing, and you're probably going to feel pulls, and everybody does this. If you meet someone, and you have someone new that you also find intriguing and enticing and an adventure. The problem is, it's a touch of a juvenile tendency in us humans to say, well, I'm not feeling the rush that I used to with someone, so this new person I'm feeling that with again. So I'm just going to switch to them. It It's a little bit short-sighted in my eyes because you got to realize that that's, that's going to fade as well. You switch to a new person, and that's why I was joking about having the 50 people on cycle. That's pretty much what it would take because you're going to spend some time with a new person. And then the spark's eventually going to die when all the new excitement of the person fades, and then you're going to feel yourself drawn towards another person. And another person. Right. And it's a never-ending cycle. It takes the discipline and resolve to choose to love someone and fight through the monotony and fight through the normalcy. Right, because it will get 
boring at some point. Or, well, it will not boring, maybe, but it certainly won't be new anymore after exactly. a while. You you're know, not going to get... You're not going to wake up next to your husband, wife, etc. 25 years down the line, wake up in the morning and get butterflies in your stomach. Oh, I'm so happy to see them. I can't, I can hardly breathe. <laughs> right. right. It'll be like, why didn't you wake me up? Slug in the yard. <laughs> right. right. I, think, I think it's sort of this, um, you've mentioned it before, like this Tinder syndrome that people go through. Because they expect everything to be new and fresh and stuff like this. And they look maybe at their grandparents who've been married for 50 years or something like that, and they see that they don't get along all that well. They're only <laughs> together because they've only known each other together sort of thing. And what people are, you know, they maybe don't put together, especially in today's world where everything is new, fresh, you can have it right now, is that that resolve and that determination, that that's how you really know somebody. Oh, yeah. Because you're going to wake up one day, and you're not going to like the person next to you. I guarantee it will happen. You'll look at them and think, I don't like you right now. But you're still choosing to love them. Yes. Yeah. They're not flawless. People get into these relationships and this blows my mind. And they're like, oh my gosh, this person is so perfect. There's nothing wrong with them. Like just from, okay, personal standpoint here, personal story. My girlfriend falls asleep quickly, right? So when we go to bed, we're going to bed so she can go to bed. Like five minutes later, she's sleeping. I work in an opposite direction. I take time to decompress. It takes me like an hour to fall asleep because I have to you know, unwind from the day, unpack everything, just think about it, make sure I got all my ducks in a row for tomorrow, and now I'm calm enough that I can finally sleep. Is that a flaw of hers that she sleeps soundly at night? No, that's not a flaw of hers. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why the heck is she sleeping so well at night? So that's not a flaw of hers, but that's something I didn't know in the honeymoon phase of our relationship. I didn't know that she was going to fall asleep mid-conversation <laughs> and that was just going to be the end of it. That's something that I learned. And I realized that that's if that's my biggest problem is that the person next to me sleeps soundly at night, I've kind of crushed it. <laughs> right? So it's that, again, putting it into perspective sort of thing. I still choose to love her, even if that's, you know, kind of... A thing that I didn't expect going in, or okay, here's here's another for instance. I have a, I actually know a gal that has a very very similar problem to this, where she gets in a relationship, she's got this new feeling going on, it's this new cool thing, and this is like the coolest person she's ever met, and then when that honeymoon phase starts to wear off and she meets someone else, because she's exactly like Jen is in in many respects, maybe that she's super friendly and she you know gets along with people really well. And she meets someone new and she feels that pull towards someone. And this girl that I know feels like that's somehow cheating on the person she's with because she feels this connection with someone else. So she'll break off the relationship she's in for this new relationship as to not want to like lead someone on or something. So she's always hopping from this you know new relationship to new relationship, keeping that adventure sort of spirit going. There is this idea that you need to just power through that yeah and because make it work at some point at your life you're gonna turn around and look back and realize that's a lot of time wasted like every relationship that you just quick ship shift sail might be okay in the short term but then you're gonna be five years later let's say realize you could have had a committed and a fulfilling relationship this entire time and instead of building and growing off uh good fundamental and grounded relationship in that regard you've now have a history of 
breakups, which are never good. So right. it's not like it's a good experience or right. anything. And a whole bunch of people you've basically burned through. And there's nothing to look back with that. It'll only bring either depression because of all the things you lost. So you'll there, especially because you're do it right after a honeymoon phase. So everybody will have like an exciting point. So you'll have to look back and be like, Oh, that was really exciting or whatnot. Or you, or whoever is feeling this quite oftentimes will get angry with themselves because it's very frustrating to realize that something you've been doing for a long time has turned around and you know is not healthy, but you've cho chosen to do that anyhow. Right. I used to do, uh, I used to have a really bad habit with this as well. Um, and it was actually something pretty harmless. Uh, back in my high school days, I used to love to go on walks. Which, in and of themselves, is very harmless. But I, I invested too much of my time and energy in something that, in moderation, is fine. But to the extent I was doing it, was frivolous. And I was just wasting different aspects of my life. I didn't narrow myself down. I would, on days on end, especially on the weekends go for 12-hour walks, nonstop. I would just pick a direction and just walk. Which it feels great in the time, because walking is great for you. It right. opens up and whatnot. But if even something good, like just a stroll, if you devolve too much time into that, then it's going to take away from things you could be achieving. So instead of even just if I narrowed it down to now to I usually only have like a three hour walk, that is nine hours that I can be putting towards something that will better my life then. Right. And I'm putting the stroller, my walks, in the same place as like skipping relationships. Because in the current time, there's nothing innately harmful of searching for the new and exciting and going from relationship to relationship. But if you were to take a look back and just see what's going on, I was wasting many, many hours that I could actively have been doing other things I needed to do. And at the same time, you're wasting many and many relationships, and uh, which is forfeiting things you need to do for relationships to get fulfillment in that right. aspect of your life. Yeah. No, I, I, I think you're completely right. And I just want to touch on one thing she mentioned of that she felt like she was saying I love you to someone because that's what they wanted to hear. Oh, yeah, don't do that. Screw them. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be like a complete sidestep of what, everything we've just said. Don't do that. If you feel like you're doing that, then you need to honestly sit down with yourself. And you need to look at why you're in that relationship. It's back to this idea of choice. If you're saying I love you to someone... Because they want to hear it, not because you want to say it, then maybe you're making a wrong choice. Or maybe there's something in there that you're not happy with. I'm not saying abandon the whole thing. Because I think this is something we've uh, talked about probably every 24 of these episodes. Oh, this yeah. idea that 
don't be short-sighted in your decisions. Exactly. You know, even if it's not the best thing you want to be doing, there's a value to digging in and trying to fix the problem before abandoning it. So if you're just saying I love you to someone because that's what they want to hear and you're not being fulfilled in some sort of way, then you need to take an honest look as to why you're loving that person. Like, okay, the lust is gone and I don't look at them with the same butterflies that I did, but there's still a reason I'm in this relationship. Yeah. There's still a list of things that I enjoy about that person or something that they bring me that's fulfilling to me. If it's one-sided where their opinion matters more than yours does or they're being on the extreme and if they're being abusive or they're being mean or they're taking you for granted in some sort of way, it's also your responsibility to bring that up to them and to say, hey, something here isn't working for me and we should fix it. And if it's still you and them versus the problem as opposed to you versus them, then you have a chance to rectify that issue. And if they're unwilling to rectify that issue, then fuck that person. <laughs> we don't cuss on this show a whole lot, but that person does not deserve your time then. But it, this is so crucial, and I, I get so like jumping in my chair because this is the part that I want to stress. It takes going through all the prerequisite steps before saying, screw that person. Yes, it does. You can't get into an argument one time or disagree on one thing and then go, screw that person. That doesn't work. Yes, this is what we're talking about after when you're starting to get into the real relationship. Like six months yeah. down the road when the butterflies are gone, you know about this person at that right, time. Right, right. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't start pulling that stuff pre-six, eight months sort of deal. Yeah. Like You need to really honestly have invested time in this. This is something that I've actually looked for a lot of solutions and I'm still working for because uh, I personally... Uh, my, my significant other, she, she is a very people pleasing person. Right. And I feel like this happens a lot with, um, people who like to please. It's the certain personality trait. They feel so enticed to tell people what they want to make them happy that they forget both about them and they forget both about what's actually best. They forget about truth. And... Basically, to paint this picture, you take it to an extremes. If someone is doing heroin, and especially in the moment, they love doing heroin. And it, it, I've used this extreme to paint the picture. A very people-pleasing person, like my significant other, would find it very difficult if they were to have a conversation and the person's talking about how much they love it and it's wonderful. They would find it very difficult to tell the person, no, you can't do that. Right. They would have... It, it, there'd be a strong drive to, and I get this for people to say, Oh, go for it. It makes you happy. Like they just want the, they want the other person to seem to feel as if they are basically valued or are liked. Right. It comes down to, it comes down to people who like to be people pleasing. They want to be liked. And they want to be liked to the extent where they are willing to go against truth or what's right at times just for people to like them. Or right. at least for them to feel like people like them. Right, right, right. That's not a very healthy way, especially in a relationship setting. So if someone wants you to say they, like, let have you tell them they love them, <laughs> but you don't actually believe that or want to choose that as of yet... It is only hurtful to 
both parties. If you were to just cave and say, yeah, I love you. You may feel like that they'll like you for it in the short run and that'll make you feel happy. Right. It's not going to last and it actually sows seeds of basically deceit and division division yeah. yeah yeah because at one point even if it's just you with yourself personally reflecting having to be truthful you'll have to say i am being dishonest with myself and that person just for someone's opinion of me to be raised right and i i personally feel this is a very big cultural thing because in our current culture at least here in america everybody puts so much value on looking good to others, they don't realize there are things more important. I think you're completely right. And of course, I'm sure you're... The idea of social media is kind of where this is going, right? People are putting more out there. They want that, to that is good. a big part of it. The internet has exacerbated right. this to such a degree. Right. And it wanted to you know, Tinder, Bumble, all these dating apps. <laughs> yeah. But our whole society is shifted in that respect. Indeed. Now, you're completely correct. Um, Jenna, I hope that helped. I hope we didn't... We tried to take a, some of the humor away and to really try to cut to the core of this issue. And we will follow up with you. Uh, if you have any other questions, let us know. We'll give a somewhat coherent answer as well. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of hard to keep a coherent answer. You know, we've got a lot of opinions on this sort of topic, <laughs> so it's hard to keep it all on one, one track. And if anybody else has any fantastically thorough questions like Miss Jen did, please email us at a gentleman's chat gmail.com that's right and no caps, no spaces. yeah no caps no spaces we will get back to you very quickly if we deem it important or if we are horrible people and we forget <laughs> for months on end you may even be answered directly in the show that's true yeah it's and it's, of course it helps that we talked about this a lot last week yes so it did. we got a good primer into that one I, we talked about it i found the email it's like oh <laughs> oh <laughs> yep Thankfully, last week's episode was received really, really well. Otherwise, we may have been... Uh, well, Miss Jen, I hope that helped you. If it didn't, yeah. this one, I hope this helps you as well. Yeah, we're going to send a direct link to both of those yeah. to make sure that you get an idea for that. And if neither help you, I guess just send us way sillier questions next time. S- send another email. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to make sure we sort this one out. Yeah, right? <laughs> we're going to uh, put on our thinking caps for you. That is true. Well, if she ever sends emails, it'll be the first one. Because in order to get her out of spam, because I tried to bring it back into the normal, our normal invoices, oh, right, right, right. it just kept rerouting the spam. So I had to give her the, um, basically the favorited status. Oh, So wow. she ever says anything, it'll be starred right she, up at the top of the right inbox. right to my phone. Exactly. <laughs> Got a correspondence from Jen, boys and girls. Exactly. Like, Sit down. <laughs> yeah, no, if anyone else has any questions, I think it's a lot of fun. And that is true. So, and, you know, maybe, uh. And it makes our job easier. We have something to talk about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It makes my makes my first topic look like it was freaking boring. Exactly. That that's the real reason we want you guys to send in questions. It's not to help anyone. Yeah. It's not to no, not no, to make no. the world a better place. Yeah. Simply makes our job easier. That's right. Yeah. Ian and I actually don't talk anymore. I don't know if people know this. <laughs> we we don't like each other. We're just here contracted. You know. Exactly. We're just, we're just trying to get through. Just like after the honeymoon phase in a relationship, <laughs> we right. hate each yeah. other. <laughs> Yeah, we're a year into this bad boy, and I realize that I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, who knew? Did you have any 
actual topics you wanted to bring some... up, like after <clears throat> the very important I do questions. have some actual topics. I'm looking over at our time here, and we've got about seven minutes till the normal ad read. So what I think should happen is we should take the ad read early, and we can dive into some of these topics that I've got primed up for us. So boys and girls, enjoy your ad read. All right, so I guess hopefully that wasn't too bad for everybody. Yeah, do we even um, still have the Edward? <laughs> I have no idea. No idea. Uh, it's just going to be a so. very awkward, like, 20-second pause it could be. of nothing. Yeah, it could be. I hope everyone enjoyed that time to get a drink, you know, <laughs> or refresh themselves on whatever snacks they've got. Exactly. So the topic that I had to start us off, or to, you know, fix the break here, um, is I was going to talk about the motorcycle accident that I was in a couple, uh, last week, so a week and a half ago. Because it's 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 been the center of my life. That is true. You should to... see his face. <clears throat> it's disgusting. Wait, you didn't fall on your. Oh, sorry. That's just yeah, normal. Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> but um, and also you're a medical professional, so you could you could probably talk me through some of these things. Um, so to begin, I didn't go to the doctor for this incident. I didn't. I it's didn't... always a good idea. Well, here's my thing. I hate doctors, and I've been there more times than I want to this year. So if, there, if I just pretend the problem isn't there, it doesn't exist. That's my method. It doesn't have to be right, but that's what I'm going on. Uh, like, from a psychological perspective, if you're unaware of the problem, on a personal level, it technically doesn't exist because I, you don't know it is. Yeah, I mean, I know it exists. I hurt a lot. Oh, So well. let, me pre- <laughs> let me preface with... So the incident happened when I was riding motocross. So just as a little bit of a backstory, if you don't know what motocross is, you can look it up. Basically... Um, riding a motorcycle over jumps on a closed circuit track. A lot of people race. Lots I, of dirt, usually. Yeah, it's made of dirt. Uh, you know, things like this. So my history in that is that I got my first motorcycle when I was four years old. I could actually ride a motorcycle before I could ride a pedal bike. Like, I just, for some reason, pedal biking didn't work for me, but... Well, it's inertia keeps you going. Yeah, that little And tiny, it's a little bit heavier, so it's easier to that balance. That little motorcycle, dude, I used to ride that thing around my yard all day, every day. Like, you would not believe. My dad raced motorcycles, so of course I wanted to be like my dad. And he's still <clears throat> getting in accidents. Right, and, but I, the reason I didn't race is because I couldn't get in accidents. I watched my dad shatter his ankles, you know, oh, multiple times. So it probably, like, arms. put you off to the yeah, idea. Yeah, broken ribs, and I was like, I don't want to do that, because ah, I hate doctors, as I preface gotcha. this whole thing with. So anyways, I, I I like to ride, and it's a lot of fun, and I was out on a private track, and I was riding around, and I went off a double, so double, basically two hills, one after another, you know, hit the first jump, hit the second jump, clicked up into the third gear, pinned her wide open, around, and just... Right over the bars. So I was, I was probably, I reckon about 15 feet in the air. And this jump particularly was really steep at the end of it. So my back gotcha. tire caught it and kind of kicked it upwards. That threw my feet from the, from the bike. So I'm now detached from the bike. I'm effectively supermaning above the bike. And uh, I came up and I went off the ramp straight. I was sideways in the air. Went over the handlebars into a ditch. And I uh, chipped a tooth off, just destroyed my right arm. But of course, at the time, what you do is you know, get up, I'm fine. Guys, I'm fine. No big deal, right? Chipped it, I spat bits of tooth out on the track. <laughs> and I was like, oh, gosh dang it. And this five-year-old was riding, and he wanted me to ride at them. I was like, dude, you're going to have to give me a minute. My chin's bleeding. And uh, so I loaded the bike and went home. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal, minus, of course, the chipped tooth and the chin. I, I mean, I hurt. I understood that. My better half happens to be an occupational therapist, so she's also in the medical field, and she was kind of looking at it, saying, you need to go to the doctor. And I said, no, it's fine. It hurts a little bit. It'll be good in the morning. And she had diagnosed it 
effectively with a fracture in my wrist, something small, because I couldn't move my wrist for like a week, and then something wrong in my shoulder, although it didn't seem serious. So I couldn't move my shoulder for the better part of probably five days, or three, three, four, five days, so somewhere in there. And it wasn't until we were, we were, God, I don't even know where we were, but I was leaning out of the car, and my shoulder popped back out. <laughs> so, and I was like, oh my God, I can move my shoulder. I get hurt, but I, it can move now. Like, it actually had functionality. So what I think had happened is when I landed, I had compacted the shoulder, and it finally released itself out, so now it moves a little bit. Ah. It's still super duper sore. Yep. And my, my wrist still can't move, like, all axes, but it, it, it can clench. I can make a fist now and stuff like that. But, um, so that's what happened to me this week. I, you know, tried to be super cool on a motorcycle and ended up not being super cool. You got up, so. I did get up. That's a pretty tough thing I to did, do. And the most annoying thing, really, is there was a whole bunch of people watching me. A crowd of people had gathered. And uh, every single person, everyone ran over to me, dude, you okay, you okay? I was like, yeah. Oh, I love that. Like, I'm fine, <laughs> whatever. I hurt, I took my helmet off. He's like, yeah, you're bleeding a little bit. Not a big deal. And uh, so I got up, and everyone's like, what happened? You looked so good. Nobody knew what happened. I don't know what happened. I've played the thing back in my head Whoa. so many times, I have no idea what happened. I don't know. A bird came and hit you. It's something had to have happened, right? Because I went off the ramp straight. I was square. I hit it good speed gas on and I was just sideways off the pegs there was nothing and I was up high enough that I had the vivid thought mm, this is gonna hurt this might hurt a little <laughs> bit I wasn't convinced this was gonna hurt a lot I just thought this is gonna hurt a little yeah because I didn't I didn't think I was too far gone you know my hands were still on the handlebars <laughs> so I thought I could save this wrong I was so wrong to think that <laughs> I was so very wrong to think that Dude, I hit the ground. I went over the bars into a freaking ditch. And the, the bike was, like, over top of me. And it, yeah, it was, it sucked. No idea what happened, though. I feel like you should search for a video. That's In today's the, age, everybody has videos. The one guy talked to me. He said, man, I wish I was videotaping that so I could watch <laughs> it back. It's like, how does that help me right now, laying in this ditch? How does that help me? It'd be funny. It, it wouldn't be. It, nah, not for you personally, but retroactively, it, all those, they always appear funny. It would be good to know what happened. Yeah. Because I think I'm more pissed off than I am, like, upset. Because then I you crashed. can correct whatever went wrong. I have no idea what happened. I thought, in my head, I had just greased it. I was like, I crushed that jump. And then I was like, oh, 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 oh. So in other words, you were just, that's, at that moment, you blacked out from all the drinking you had done earlier. <laughs> and wish. it's just like a little gap. It's like. What just happened? I have no idea what happened, dude. It went so horribly wrong. And in my head, I was going back to the conversation that you and I had of, like, deadliest professions. Because we talked about what are the deadliest sports? What are the most body-inducing yeah. sports? We talked about football. And we're saying, you know, like, uh, hockey's a big one. So um, soccer's not as bad. I mean, you know, shit and stuff, right? Boxing's great for concussions. Right, right, you know. Basketball isn't bad. It's not a contact sport yeah. per se. You can go a long time and your body isn't too screwed up. And I was—I mean, if you're eight feet tall, right? I guess. <laughs> but I was thinking, man, I picked the wrong sport. And then it got me thinking: what are the more deadly—not just sports, but professions in general? Like, what are the more deadly things that people do for money? 
think underwater welding is always the one that comes to mind. I'm like, that? I would never want to do that. Dude, in my head, I also thought underwater welding. But I Google it before this show because I wanted to know what was happening. Number one deadliest job. Want to take a guess? Not underwater welding. I Yeah, it's probably going to be uh, Alaskan king crab fishing. Close. Ah. Uh. Close. Number one is logging. Okay, yeah, that's... Logging has a, a, rec- a record of 135.9 deaths per 100,000 people working. That sounds about right. Per year. E- everything in logging is dangerous. It makes sense. Right. So roughly what it's saying is for every 100,000 people working in the logging industry, 136 of them that year will die. Yep. Fun job to get into. But does that make you want to go to the tech and get your logging certificate? Or whatever they need to do for logging. I don't know. I don't think you need to do, you do much. Do you need a certificate for that? Probably, Probably not. Probably on-the-job training when you die. There, well, depending on the... With most things in the labor industry, you probably need to get certification for the particular vehicles you'll need. That's true. But other than that, I mean, I already take a chainsaw out and cut down trees if I need right. to, so it's You're not, not like... certified for that. You don't need to be. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I could cut a tree down. That's not right. difficult. You're a grown man. That's yeah, exactly. Second place is fishermen. Oh, Fisher, I was, I with it. 86 deaths per 100,000 okay. per year. So, I mean, they're a little ways behind logging. They need to catch up. They're kind of slacking a little bit. <laughs> in my defense, I feel like because it's per year, my choice in the fishermen kind of got shafted. Because especially crab fishermen, they only work four months out of the year. Right. During the season. So, that means the other freaking eight months out of the year, they can't have deaths, right. really. Right. So the deadliest four months. Yeah, they just exactly. Stretch, they just stretch that shit out. It's like tortoise and the hare, you know? Exactly. They get it all wrapped up in four <laughs> months and the loggers are working hard year-round. Exactly. <clears throat> Number three was actually aircraft pilots and aircraft, like, uh, mechanics. People working hmm. in airlines. That's substantially less. It's only 55 and a half okay. per 100,000 per year. So it's kind of a, a big drop-off between yeah. logging, fishing, and, and aircraft. I wouldn't have expected aircraft. aircraft no, you don't would, really hear about a whole net. Right. You would have thought that's a fairly safe occupation. I wouldn't have even thought mechanics. I thought, I mean, clearly if you get crushed by an engine, there's nothing you can do to save that guy. No, but the likelihood that, that you're going to get crushed by an engine. Well, yeah. How I've... often does that happen? Uh, back in the day, my father actually used to work at EAA, which is a big... Um, basically airplane museum and they run shows. They have planes from all over the world and whatnot. Right. It's actually the biggest air show, I think, in the country. And, yeah, at yeah. least, yeah. if not in the world. It's it's massive. It's actually fairly close to where we live, too. It's yep. 20 minutes from But anyhow, he used to work for them, and he worked on planes and whatnot. I've never heard of a single injury. Well, okay. I've heard of a couple, like, air quotes, injuries where my dad was is very very tall he's like i think he's six six to six eight around that one tall man yeah so if he's working on something i think almost all of their injury reports in that is my dad accidentally like standing up or he can't go under most wings right or engines on the larger craft he'll hit his head so if he doesn't pay attention he's always hitting he was always hitting his head on them but aside from that, I don't think I've heard of a single, like, very serious injury, at least, or death for anyone there. Yeah, I mean, it's 
Apparently it happens. I'm right. I mean, 55 people per 100,000 per year die. 55 and a half, you know. So we're out of that bad, bad boy up to 56. I feel if probably most of it now that I think about it is probably training exercises. Because if you have like, uh, for training exercises, you probably have a full crew. And so they're all working in the industry. And if right. one goes down, that's like 20, 30 deaths right there. Right. That's actually. That's like almost all your quota. Right. My question was. Are you counting passengers? Like, if you're flying a passenger jet and you die, is that being counted in the staff? I don't think... They're not counting the passengers, not... but they're counting all the staff. Right. So, so like, if plane. one plane goes down, that's every single stewardess, or that's every single pilot, that's every single mechanic that's on one airplane. Right. So, two of those a year, and you're probably set. So, that makes more sense now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I suppose... Even if it's not a passenger flight, if you're trying to fly an airplane and it needs yeah, to be somewhere... Still... Yeah, yeah, and you're just you're trying to get from where one airport to the other so it can be used there, and it malfunctions. I that makes sense, especially if you got a lot of crew on there or something. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. That makes a lot of sense. I'm trying to think of what other jobs can fit in that category. I thought for sure underwater welding or something like that, some outrageous thing. Would be I on feel there. because there's so few people in underwater welding, they're so specialized and they're they have so many safety regulations because it's so. That's probably true. Insane. I guess they make it out alive. Because things like um, fishermen or lumberjacks, there's only so much safety you can right. and sue. And you need a lot more people in there. That's so true. there's less, there's more human error component. Yeah. For every, you know, 26 loggers or 50 loggers, there's one underwater welder. Yeah. So just by volume, you're going to get somebody that does something stupid. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they have the gall to put up one of those days since last accidents <laughs> in a lumber yard. Yeah, I wonder if they got the the gall to do that. Just zero forever. Yeah, they, it might hit one, one in a row. The whole it crew happens. is a party. See, that's why they are the only people who get to wear those beautiful flannels to work. Yeah, it's because it's the most dangerous profession. It's like a trade off. And it's honestly, true. those flannels are so soft. I love those. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen. Because I could bring them to work. They're killing the wardrobe game. Exactly. There's no two ways about that. They're killing it. They're one of the only professions where if you think Lumberjack, they have an entire like wardrobe that is just for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They don't even need a shiny vest. No? They get rid of that dumb shiny vest and put a flannel on. You'll get it. I feel like in the actual yard, a lot of times they, uh, especially in this area, they don't. It's only when they're actually... Uh, deforesting in the actual forest where right. it's going to be difficult. Yeah, so Tom doesn't hit you with the crane or the yeah. saw, you know? Yeah, that's an instant death right there. Yeah, that that, that accounts for one. Right? <laughs> right. It's got to be at least one a year. Some well, guy gets caught by the saw blade. Yeah. Hey, do you know of these um, table saws? This is a much smaller saw that we're talking about now, but it just sparked my uh, thought on this. The ones that have the safety precautions where if a finger touches the saw blade... The blade drops underneath and stops, so it doesn't cut the person. Have you heard of these? I have heard of them. I have a very beautifully well-built, old-fashioned one up there with no safety features whatsoever, if you want to try that one instead. Right, right. I guarantee you, if you put a finger on that one, it'll just keep spinning. Yeah, this is not new technology, but it's super cool, because effectively, somehow it senses the durability of the material going through the saw. Like the resistance. So if it's wood or metal or something. And if something that's the consistency of a finger or a body part goes through, a latch lets go underneath and the saw blade will drop underneath 
so it's now out of anyone's way. And it basically rams itself into an aluminum block and stops in like half a revolution. So really, instead of losing your finger, all you're getting is a mild cut. And I watched some guy demonstrate this because he seemed to have way more confidence than he should have. Oh, had. my goodness. Yeah, he's like, yeah, watch this bad boy. I'll stop. The light's green. We're good to go. And he stuck his finger in it. And I thought, first of all, you're dumb. I don't care how confident you are. You're <sighs> dumb. This guy just went for it. Full scent this bad boy. Was right? he selling these? I feel like unless you have a, a direct investment in these, there's no reason care. to do that. You're, the, you're paying me deep six digits for me <laughs> to even put my hand on that machine. Okay? Let alone put my finger in it. And he did. So yeah, watch this. Jammed his finger right up against it. And the thing did what it said. He walked, he showed like, I got a small nick. Wasn't even bleeding. I could never trust that. Nope. Nope, 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 See, nope. the problem with th- with safety features like that is I almost trust them le- less. Me, personally, I would never have one of those in my garage. Oh, absolutely Especially not. if I'm working with people because I know my table saw works as a table saw. There's no, like, safety features or whatnot. So when I have people working with it or if they're learning and I'm teaching them, they either know or I'm teaching them Hey, these are what you have to do. There's no safety. There's there's no safety net. There's no right. anything stopping you. You do this or you will get hurt. And so if you go with that amount of caution and you respect the machine, I I feel that's a better way of going it than if I had one of those self ones. Then I might get lazy. Because if I'm like, oh, what happens if I cut myself? It'll just stop anyhow. Right. So it's lazy. But the problem with it is all ma- all machinery and whatnot has a distinct chance of failure. Right. So if you just get in the habit of, well, I don't need to worry. I could just rush through something. I don't need to be on edge or be focused because it'll just stop if I do anything wrong. That's the time when it just doesn't stop. Right. And now you're a hand down. Or what if it stops when you're cutting something? Or what if the machine... I thought about that too. I just, I feel like, I agree with you completely. The simplicity is what I'm after. Exactly. I know that there's a saw blade going around very quickly. Yep. And it will take off any material near it, including material that's supposed to be attached to me. Yes. Therefore, I will respect it dearly. Mm-hmm. I agree with that completely. Especially, oh, they, especially with woodworkers' hands. Those things are so callous, how would a machine tell if it's not wood? Right, right. I have seen some hands in my day that I feel were probably harder than wood. <laughs> like, the entire thing is just, just like, a rough, callous, wrinkled, steel hand. Yeah. The saw probably wouldn't cut it, but... I mean, I think it's cool for people that are professional woodworkers. It's a safety feature. And it it is it works, a safety feature. It's super cool. And it might help some people. I just wouldn't want it personally because I do know human nature. If I were to have some something like that, I would get lazy and just assume that it's going to work. Right, right. The kicker to it is that the cartridge that it uses for that whole mechanism to happen is, of course, the one-time wonder. It's incredibly expensive to replace. Oh, yeah. Like, I have, I don't remember off the top of my head, so if someone Googled it, you'd probably know more than me, but it's like $500 to replace this cartridge. Wow, that is... Uh, or even if it's $100 or $200, $300, I don't care. I'm not sure a pinky's worth that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of money. That you is a lot of money. The saw, the saw I was thinking that the first thing. I, I didn't know the mechanism of how it releases, but yeah, saw blades in the, of themselves are $60 a piece. Yeah. Those are not 
It's a six hundred dollar mistake you've just made. Oof. And if it ever because how safety me- mechanisms work, they work overly more than underly. Right. So I'm certain there's some times where if you're doing like a soft pine or something, it might just think it's a finger and well, there's six hundred dollars for a five dollar piece of pine plywood right. you're trying to you're cut. You're working with balsa wood. Yep. Balsa wood is softer than a human hand. And now you're out $600 and the wood. <laughs> right, right. That's my question. How the heck does it... I just... I don't know. I wouldn't have it, but that's not because it's not cool or useful. That's just because oh, yeah. it doesn't fit what I would like. Exactly. Yeah, I want something that I know every time what's going to happen. Also, it's, it'd probably be okay if you learn on that. Oh, absolutely. It's just because I have the recognition and I've worked with only the classic normal table saw that... Right. Then I would put two together. Well, I don't have to worry about it now. Yeah. Yeah, if you put someone that doesn't know what they're doing, I guess that's that's one thing. But I, I don't know. It was just a, a, a cool thing that uh, Sawblades sparked my idea of. Yeah. We could try that out. Should we? A gentleman's chat? You know, we'd film it live? No, I'm, I'm not sure we could do why that. Don't we, why don't we take a... Something as as a test dummy, like a piece of bacon or something, and just see what it does. With just my table saw, I know exactly what that would do. No, no, I'm talking get one of these fancy tables. Yeah, that, that that's where I'm gonna hit a roadblock because I guarantee that table saw is gonna be thousands of dollars. It's gotta be expensive. Up front, right? I'm not be. sure I'm willing to pay or have a thousand dollars to spend on a one time experiment. Uh, yeah, especially I was gonna say, well, what if you rented a table saw let's say the home depot's renting that's still gonna be like four hundred dollars right and i was thinking if you blow that cartridge man they're not gonna let you ever rent anything again yeah if you blow that cartridge that's on you you're gonna have to replace that and i really doubt they're gonna you go down to your local home depot you're like hey can i rent a table saw and they're like sure and then like with the safety feature and they'd be like uh (laughs) okay why well i'm I'm making a video i'm gonna pop the cartridge you know (laughs) they'd be like no. No, you can't do that. Yeah, that, that sure insurance doesn't cover that sort of stupidity, right? No, they'll probably almost certainly make charge you for the cartridge and saw. Right. And at that point, I, I'm not it's not worth it's the $600. Worth it. You're right. It's just not I'll I'll I will edit a video together of someone doing it online and pretend like it's me. They pretended to. Like a harsh cut. <laughs> Put your face on. And then just harsh cut. <laughs> so for those interested you can go find i'm sure there's all sorts of slow-mo videos out there and whatnot of it it's it's a fascinating thing i'm not sure i want to see that because you know there's someone that put one out there that didn't work and if you just find that i don't want to see that well it's like the guys it's that shoot motion. themselves with guns to show that their bulletproof vests work yeah because like the dummies don't work yeah right on the range I go to, uh, pretty much every range I've ever seen, there are, um, they're usually made out of silicone of actual dummies with, they fill it with a, like, bleeding liquid. Right. So you can tell when, and they're inside the silicone, they have, like, vital organs filled with packets of this liquid. So you can tell if you would have lived or not. Yeah. They already make these. Yeah, that's a thing that exists. Why would I... Why would I need my personal organs on the line when I could risk a non-living organism's organs? I feel like you're not proving anything at that point. Yeah, I I know. That one blows my mind, right? 
Especially because if I'm the one wearing the vest, it's not my aim I'm worried about. Right, well, even so, <laughs> I don't care if the thing is bulletproof. It still hurts. Right, I don't care if the gun is two inches away from me, right smack dab in the middle of that bad boy. Two things can happen. First of all, the guy making it, his wife, <laughs> his wife... <laughs> Like, dude's wife left him last night, the guy who made the vest. He made a <laughs> shitty vest. Okay? That could happen. Next thing you know, I'm dead. Secondarily, I'm still cracking a rib, right? Oh, easily. There's no way I'm catching a it's bullet. It's a bad bruise. It hurts like hell. Yeah, there's no way I'm catching a bullet that's moving over 1,500 feet per second. And I'm not cracking a rib or bruising or something. Yeah. You ever gone paintballing? I Those have. are going significantly slower than a bullet. Very much so. My friends were dumb. I, I have good reference. Uh, I have been shot with a twenty-two. Oh yay. On accident. While wearing a vest, so and a twenty-two, that's that's like a pellet gun. That's yeah. that's pretty much nothing. Still hurt like hell. And for whatever reason, I don't know why I was talking to this. This one was all my fault. It was stupid. <laughs> my buddies and I, back when we were dumb early teenagers, decided it was a good idea to freeze a whole bunch of paintballs and then go paintballing with frozen paintballs with no vest or anything. Smart. And that actually did cause a few hairline fractures. Oh, God. And very, very bad bruising. It I... was a bad idea. Never play with frozen paintballs, especially in late November in Wisconsin about Thanksgiving time <laughs> because then it's cold outside too. And the sting from that, I could still feel it to this day. That's yeah, a bone shaking sort of. <laughs> oh yeah. So you've been shot with a 22 before? Yeah. Well, once again, through a vest. Right, right. Talk to me about that. Uh, that what, was actually, I don't even care. I just, I just want to know why you agreed to this. It wasn't an agreement thing. Oh, okay. I I was I was young and a couple friends of mine like very early on we were like ten. A couple friends of mine wanted me to wanted to go hunting with me, and in order to do that, uh, where we lived at the time in St. Louis, you needed to have uh, the, like a hunter's safety program okay. and yeah. certification. Sure. Which after this experience, I agree with. <laughs> I kid you not, this guy's trigger control, um, because they had us on a range. But in order to have us on the range, they clearly did not trust us at all. Good good reason. We had um, helmets with the full face guard instead of glasses. Wow. And vests. And the guy, a buddy of mine, emptied a magazine downrange of a twenty two didn't realize that um, when you're out of certain rifles, especially magazine ones, because he's always watching the movies, when you're out, a lot of times the um, cartridge chamber with certain weapons will kick back, right. and the it's... hammer pulls, and you can tell it is yeah, empty. The, the slide lock open. Yes. Yep. This one happened to be a lever action, so it didn't actually self-kick back. Right. He still had one left in the chamber, and I'm, I scared him because great trigger discipline. He pulls the gun around off the range just towards people, and I jump. I jump, <laughs> and this guy gets scared and pulls the trigger. I get hit right in the oh lower abdomen through the vest. It hurt 
really bad. But honestly, with a 22, now that I know, uh, uh, with through a vest, don't try this. Don't don't be stupid. Hurt way less than paintballs. I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah. I've also had a gun range experience where someone, either, not even that they didn't think the gun was loaded, they were just super excited at what had happened downrange. Yeah. Like if you go trap shooting, and, you know, a, you know, a guy knocks off a couple of them, he's excited about it. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, and normally with your trap shooting or something, you only load in what you need if you're, yep. if you're stationary for a while. Yeah. Right? So you load in. If you're two, hitting three, you're right, you load in throwing three, three shells. If you're, yeah. if you're doing one, you load in one. Well, they loaded in more than what they were shooting at. <laughs> Shot the one that they, you know, hit that one, turned around all excited with a shotgun uh. in hand. Thankfully, you know, the trigger discipline, this was someone that was... was ex- okay, yeah. This was someone that they knew what they were doing. But that didn't, that didn't, you know, stifle their excitement for the for the thing that they had done downrange. So they still turned around and went with a loaded firearm that was not on safety, pointed it at people, which is which is a big no no for that those that aren't following along at home. That's a big no no. You don't, I don't do think, that. I don't think I've ever had some of that, but on several ranges, like every range I've been to, I feel like I have at least one of these experiences. Someone either gets harshly reprimanded or get kicked out for any anybody shooting shot points it in the air right so many people i have seen straight up in the air they think it's okay it's not pointed at anything it's like complete idiots <laughs> complete idiots that's not always shotgun rick especially because if you have something loaded in shot like buckshot even bird shot you shoot it in the air that is hundreds of tiny pieces of metal that are coming back down. Yeah, at terminal velocity. Yeah. And you don't know where they're going to go. Because even the faintest wind with uh, shot, because these are very small, yeah. will blow. It could come, if it's a particularly windy day, a couple miles away. You have no idea where this is going down. Yeah, you have no idea. It is the dumbest thing in the world to point uh, shotgun chambered and shot in the air. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yep. <laughs> the and the only people that get away with it is if you're bird hunting. Yes, because they, because you, you have to. And you also, when you go bird hunting, you understand the concept of knowing what's around you. Yes. So you're clear for a long ways behind where you're shooting. Yes. And you're clear if the wind is going left, there's nothing over to that side. Yep. You, you know, you're not dumb about that. Sort and they of also stuff. use bird shot, which right. is substantially less, uh, less beefy. It's like. A fifth of the size. Yeah, of if those shot, fall out of the yeah. sky and hit you, you will. It'll sting that really there. bad, but it's not going to yeah, do lasting damage. Exactly, their terminal velocity is not that of a, a bigger buckshot. Yep. So, or heaven forbid, someone does something stupid where they're, you know, if you mix birdshot and buckshot. I don't understand the purpose of why you would ever do that. Nobody does. (laughs) Nobody does, right? I'm going to load this and just see what happens. Yeah, let's throw a few of those little tiny ones in there to fill up the the space. We'll throw a pack of hollow point slug in with some buckshot. Yeah, just just mix that shit in there. (laughs) I hate people that decide they want to do it yourself uh, with especially any actual... Um, cartridges or bullets or slugs right. or anything in a gun, because that's not what the gun was built for. There's a very, there's there's a good reason we have specific 
dimensions and requirements for different firearms. Yeah, I'm not a fan of ramming any old thing down the uh, down the barrel. Oh, you mean the um, muzzle loaded? Right, or any any weapon. Really. Muzzle loaded scare me because, especially here in Wisconsin, you don't need a permit or anything to buy anything muzzle loaded. Nope, I have muzzle loaders. I actually, I almost lost my right eye to a muzzle loader. Left yeah. eye, sorry, to a muzzle loader because my dad and I were out to teach me how to load a muzzle loader, and, we, and actually, I did load it and I watched him shoot it, and it's cool. Yep, it's a really cool thing, especially you know if you got an old timey one where it's, it is satisfying. The, the flash pot is on the outside. Yep, it, it's actually super cool. And it is very satisfying. And the thing that he was using it to teach me about was that there's not a lot of kick to it. No. So, I mean, we were shooting a 54 caliber gun or a 64 caliber gun, but there's not a lot of kick to it. You're like an airsoft gun. Yeah. Right. So he was introducing me to longer rifles that way. And the problem at hand was that the stock was bigger than I was. So I didn't have my arm on the stock, had it above it. Not that big of a deal. It doesn't kick a whole lot. Well, you know, you Cracked that bad boy off, and the cap hit. But, of course, as we know, the hammer's on the outside. Yep. And the hammer came back and hit me square in the face. Oof. And it was, I mean, maybe a quarter of an inch away from my eye, lower portion of my eye. And that, I mean, it almost spelt the end of me seeing out of my only good eye. Oof. Right. Well, thank goodness that it was low. At that point, I immediately stopped. Of course, I was young, so step one was tears. We need to start with tears. We just need to get that out of the way. I cried the whole way home. Dude, my dad was trying to buy me off so I wouldn't tell my mom. Yep. And all I wanted was my mother. I was the first, like, you know, you want to go to Fun Set? And I said, no, I just want to go home and tell mom. And he was like, oh, shit. So uh, when we got home, I was just crying, bawling my eyes out. And he, apparently he walked in and he said, now, honey, don't be mad. Everything <laughs> is okay. <laughs> but and my mother lost it. Because, of course, the way I told the story, I almost died. Oh, of course. Right. I mean, I. it wasn't not dangerous, but it, I wasn't near death. No, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't near death. It's a good way to learn something. Somewhere in between. I mean, there's a scar there that probably, you could probably still find. You know, it didn't it did not suck, but... Scars uh, build character. Scars do build character. And, good thing to talk about it, like parties and whatnot. Oh, where'd you get that huge scar? Ah, uh, stupidity. Yeah. Which is why you make something up. You... Uh, Always, always, always. If there's Absolutely. a scar and you're at a party, no harm, no foul. Make up the most grandiose oh, yeah. story let, ever. Let me tell you, in five years, that motorcycle accident is going to be from 15 feet in the air to 25 feet in the air. Yeah. Make no mistake about While it. While chasing down a known murderer. Yeah. Landed right on top of him. Yeah, I blew your own cops, body. told him that I wasn't going to do it. What I was doing is, I actually, I was fifth gear pinned wide open. I was doing probably 78. Oh, yeah. And I, I was on the bike and I, I couldn't. Get him and the bike. So I stood up on the bike and I jumped. I leapt onto his bike. And it was when I was leaping onto his bike that, you know, we tussled, fell over on the highway, you know, off the side of the bridge. Your arm got injured because you actually rammed your own left arm in the spot. Yeah, I was like, I have to stop this bike. By the time my kids hear this story, that's what it'll be. Yeah, absolutely. See, and then it's a better story. It is a better story. Their lives will be richer because Not a truthful story, but a better be. story. It will be a better story. Hmm. Well, I'd say that this episode of, the gentle, of A Gentleman's Chat was better because of these stories. And we also got a little helping in in the beginning. So, again, if anyone has anything that they want to send to us, any stories or anything that they might need help with, a gentleman's chat at gmail.com, no caps, no spaces. 
we promise we'll get back to you in yes. a more timely fashion. Once again, you know. one last time, very sorry, Miss Jen. Um, if you have any other questions, please send it to us. They will be answered much, much quicker now. Significantly quicker. Yes. Yeah, a gentleman's chat episode 24 with your hosts, Ian and Billy. Have a great week.